Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd bear the pain of inguinal hernia if I had to stomach the idea that you missed this week's show. Performance improvement. Do you want to get the best out of your teams? That means getting the best from each player. Heather Burwright recommends 360-degree feedback, and she takes you full circle. She's CEO of Skillmasters Market. On Tony's Take Two, sharing still is caring. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. And by Send in Blue, the only all-in-one digital marketing platform empowering nonprofits to grow. Tony.ma slash send in blue. What do you say we get started? I want you to know we have a shorter show this week. It's going to be about 35 minutes. Okay? Here is performance improvement. It's my pleasure to welcome Heather Burwright. She is founder and CEO of Skillmasters Market, creating dynamic, people-centric solutions that drive business goals. She has 15 years of experience identifying core competencies that are needed to see real results and creating the learning strategies needed to develop them. The company is at skillmastersmarket.com, and Heather is at Heather Burwright. Heather, welcome to Nonprofit Radio. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Excited we're talking about we're talking about performance improvement, and you use this tool called three hundred and sixty degree feedback. So yeah. we're going to start with the the basics. What, what's an overview of three hundred and sixty degree feedback? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so three hundred and sixty degree feedback, a three hundred and sixty assessment, is a great way to get feedback. It's exactly what it sounds like to get feedback with that three hundred and sixty degree view. So you can invite people like your supervisor, your peers, your direct reports, um, other colleagues or partners, and you can get anonymous feedback all in one place. And then you have some good comparison data, so you can see how you're being perceived. Uh, there's also a self uh, survey as part of that, so you can compare how you're being perceived to how you're perceiving yourself. And it just gives you really rich information so that as you start to think about what do I want to work on? Where do I want to invest my time, my energy, my resources? You have some really good data to work with to help inform that so you can prioritize your professional development a little better. That sounds very interesting to uh, compare what you think of yourself to what others think of you. Do you, uh, have you, (laughs) you've been doing this many years, you see a lot of um, disparities, uh, a lot of incongruence between self-assessment and the assessment that others uh, have provided? There there can be, for sure. Um, I actually, with 360 like, assessments, I feel somebody's like Somebody's like living in deep denial, maybe? Is that- <laughs> it happens. With 360 assessments, I feel like um, how you show up to different groups of people can intentionally be different. So what your supervisor sees may be different from what your direct reports see or what your peers see, and that might be okay. So it's about taking that information, finding those discrepancies, finding that alignment, and then interpreting it. 
uh, for your own your own work, your own lifestyle, and and what how you want to be you know showing up to all of those different groups. I actually do something, and it's not for <laughs> for today's conversation, but I actually do something called an intercultural development inventory, the IDI. I'm a qualified administrator for them, and that assesses uh, intercultural competence. And there's actually, uh, I've seen a greater disparity in that assessment than in 360 assessments, assessments which typically assess uh, more general or more common leadership competencies. Okay. All right. Uh, so in the in the intercultural intercultural assessment, uh, people perceive themselves as more aware, sensitive, conscious than than they are perceived by others. Correct. Yeah. No, all right. Not surprised. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. We do that a lot, right? We do. It's why, for me, that's why. Well, I, we all, you know, we all think we're, we're, uh, well, we all think we're great people. <laughs> we do. And we are right there. We all have great skill sets and things that we can offer the world. But I think if you think about your to-do list, right, a lot of us will tend to put too many things on our plate and then we wonder why we can't accomplish it all. It's because our perception is not always matched to our reality. Yeah. Yeah. Perception and reality. Right. can diverge greatly. Okay. Uh, that could be, I mean, this could be fodder for therapy too. Uh, <laughs> there you go. But, but when we're going to talk about coaching, because coaching, you know, you need, uh, I, I gather you need somebody to help you assess all this input that's coming in. And especially if you're deeply divergent between what you think and what others think, uh, you know, you, I could see how coaching would be critical so that you don't jump off a cliff with these results. Yes, absolutely. Okay. With 360 assessments, I recommend going through the assessment process, which just helps to increase kind of your own self-awareness, where you are, where you want to be, and then working with a coach to help prompt you to action. So in the awareness phase, and you know, you're taking this assessment process, it's anonymous feedback. So it's feedback that you're not necessarily going to get anywhere else. Most people aren't going to just walk up to you and say, your communication skills are not as good as you think they are. <laughs> so it's feedback that you're not necessarily going to get anywhere else. And it can show that those discrepancies and that alignment, um, which is really, really helpful. It brings a lot of self-awareness to the table. But then during that coaching session, you can start to identify action and focus on the action that you want to take. So you're able to identify, you know, which skills are, are most essential to your current role and how did you do on those skills or which skills are most essential to a future role. If you want to look at it from a, a future perspective, I know I want to move into this other position or this other role. And so what skills are going to be most important there? What do I need to work on to get there? And so you can start to consider what you might need to leverage, what are your strongest skills are, yeah. uh, but also what you might need to enhance as you move forward. And then those skills, which you're identifying with that coach, uh, can become part of a custom action plan that you have. So again, you're able to prioritize your professional development a right, little more effectively. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So let's take a step back. We're getting a little ahead, but that's okay. Um, where, what's the, all right. So you already said this is confidential. It's anonymous. All right. So it's, it's really the best information we're going to get. Um, it's from all different, all different networks. So it's people that are lateral to you, uh, working for you, who you work for could be others. I mean, I don't know, in nonprofits, might you go to, might you go to board members if there's a relationship there, if there's some liaison work there or something, Absolutely. would you go to maybe donors? Would you donors, volunteers that the person is working with, or is that really not appropriate to ask them to participate in? Yeah, I've not seen anybody go to donors, but yeah. definitely volunteers. If okay. you're if you're working with them in a capacity where they're going to see those skills at play, 
yeah, right? If, yeah. they, if you're not working with them in that way, they wouldn't make a good feedback provider. Right. Okay. All right. So volunteer. Yeah. Donors, that seems like a little much to ask for someone <laughs> to rate the person that you rate the fundraiser that you work with or something. Okay. Um, so let's identify the benefits for the organization that would do a, a 360 assessment. Sure. Yeah. So what I love about assessments is that they are strategic, uh, but also compassionately human centered, right? So when it comes to leadership development, um, professional development is especially important. You want your leaders to be better. You want them to be stronger for your organization and you want them to perform well. So assessing on uh, those common leadership competencies gives a baseline that is both relevant to their work and to your organization and practical. Um, but you also, if you think about the human-centered piece of it, um, your leaders also have dreams. They also have goals beyond just your their role at your organization. And so uh, by having the 360 assessment, you're able to assess those things, those competencies that are important for your organization, but you're also giving them some ownership and what they do with that information. And so they're able to tailor the, the action plan that they're going to get out of this. They're able to tailor that based on what their goals are within the organization as well. Okay. So whatever they decide to do will benefit the organization, but it will also be tailored to them. And so they, it will benefit themselves, you know, their own development as well. So I'm going to ask about uh, some outliers. Have you seen cases where, I mean, the, the assessment was just so bad that the, the organization decided, you know, we, we got to just let this person go. Like, we just, we can't, we, we, there's no performance plan. There's no action. There's no action worksheet that's going to, that, that's going to, that's going to bring this person along. It's, it's, it's just hopeless. Yeah. So I have not, uh, my recommendation is not to use it, to use a 360 assessment in a punitive way. Um, and so you would only use a 360 assessment if there's someone that you want them to develop. You want to see okay. them develop and grow within your organization. Um, and in fact, I, I recommend that the results are kept confidential between the participant and the coach and that no one else actually gets a copy of those results. I actually get that request a lot at the board level. <laughs> if, it's the, if it's the CEO that's going through um, the yeah. assessment process, the board chair will, will want those results. My recommendation is is not to do it that way. Um, I also get a lot of um, requests for the 360 assessment to be the performance review, and that's also not a great use of a 360 assessment. You want to do the performance review separately, and then one of their goals through that performance review process might be to complete a 360 assessment, but again, only if you're really invested in them growing and developing as a leader, not as a way to, to sort of move them out of the organization. It's counterintuitive not using the assessment as a as performance uh, evaluation tool. What what why is that? Say say a little more about why that's not recommended. Yeah, I think so. For me, um, I think giving the three hundred and sixty assessment to someone that you um, believe in and you are valuing their contributions, you're going to have a lot better outcome. They're going to be more honest in the assessment process. Uh, their feedback providers are probably going to be more honest as well. And then they're able to have a good, honest conversation with their coach. And they're able to kind of lean into that vulnerability without constantly thinking, I'm going to get fired, right? <laughs> it's actually really 
really good, useful information to grow. Um, and I would recommend 360 assessments for star performers, um, you know, just as much as I would for those that you are looking to develop for a particular reason. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so how do we get started with this uh, in the, in the organization? I mean, if we're going to suppose we're going to do this uh, enterprise wide, mm-hmm. I mean, that could mean, you know, four five, six employees mm-hmm. uh, for some listeners. It may mean hundreds of employees. Yes. <laughs> how do we start this? Yeah. Where do we start? Yeah. So every organization is different. They're going to approach it in a slightly different way. Um, the I work with a vendor that hosts 360 assessments. So those assessments are already created. They're standard. They exist for um, different types of leadership. So whether it's the, the CEO, executive director, or um, whether it's more of an individual contributor, individual contributor or something in between, they have assessments um, that are tailored to each of those different um types of roles within an organization. So I would, you know, first look at um, how do you want to roll this out? Um, A lot of organizations will start with maybe a senior leadership team um, to show that they're, you know, modeling what they would would ask of of their other staff. Um, And so they might start with a leadership team, um, have a small group go through this process and then look at adding um, some additional staff to that. Um, the only thing that you would want to consider really is um, rater fatigue. So if in an organization you're going to be asking the same people to provide feedback to multiple people at the same time, um, that can get a little bit fatiguing and then they might not be as honest or they might not take as much time um, as they go through the assessment because they're just trying to get through all of them. Uh, So you want the raters, the people who are providing the feedback, um, to feel like they have the time and, um, you know, the energy to get through those assessments as well. Yeah, because if, if, if there's a lot of people at the same level and you're evaluating your peers, right, I mean, you could have to be doing a lot of these. All right. right. So... How do you overcome that? Just spread spread out the time and give them more time to do. I mean, like suppose you have to do six or eight of these things. It sounds yeah, absolutely. Pretty, it sounds pretty absolutely. comprehensive. I would start with a smaller group. And then as that group finishes, you could look at bringing in another group to complete the assessment. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, so this is not something that sounds like it can be easily done in-house. Like you're, you're saying... You work with a vendor that already has these these assessment tools published. It sounds like something that would be kind of hard to recreate in-house and, and do and do well. I think it depends on just the resources of the organization. Uh, there are really good off-the-shelf assessments where you don't have to spend the money to create something that's custom to your organization. Okay. You can. A lot of um, a lot of the vendors who offer off-the-shelf um, assessments can also do custom assessments for your organization, but it's it's a fairly resource-heavy project. Um, because you want to make sure that whatever gets created is statistically relevant. It's a valid assessment and all of that. And so um, to do that, a lot of times it does take more time and more resources to make it happen. What happens if there's an outlier in the, in the raters? Like one person rates somebody so high or so low compared to the other six or eight people that, that rate, what, what happens to those outlier ratings? 
Yeah, that does happen um, from time to time. You'll have somebody who, um, you know, every question just about is really high or really low. Um, you know, I, as a coach, um, I might ask the participant um, if they have any thoughts about why that might be the case. And we might have some conversation around, you know, why someone might be rating really high or really low. It is anonymous. So unless it's the supervisor, they're probably not going to know who said, you know, who it is that's rating them. It's yeah. the outlier. Um, but you can have some good conversation that way. Sometimes there's not, you know, anything that comes to mind that would make someone um, be completely different than, than all of the other raters. And so, um, you know, you're going to kind of go with the, with the theme across. And so if most people are rating you at a four and then one person at a one, um, perhaps that one person had one particular experience that they're, they're call, you know, calling to mind as they're completing the assessment. And so that's causing those scores. Right, to that's be the person you, uh, yeah, you, you keyed their car when they took your parking space. So the, <laughs> Right. You never person. know. You never yeah. know. Uh, and so it's, it's information. Um, but it's not necessarily the focus because the theme is that most people are, are rating you in that four. It's time for a break. Turn to communications. You've heard me repeat the list of recent coverage outlets. People are getting coverage and you can too. The Chronicle of Philanthropy, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. There's more. There's more. You know it includes USA Today and Stanford Social Innovation Review and the Washington Post and The Hill. You've heard it. You've heard the recitation. You want coverage like that? You want to be in outlets like these? Nonprofit Quarterly, Forbes, MarketWatch. You can. Turn to has the relationships to get you noticed, to get you coverage, to place you when it's your turn. They got the relationships. They can make it happen. Turn to communications. Your story is their mission. Turn hyphen to dot co. It's time for Tony's take two. Sharing is still caring. Who can you share nonprofit radio with? I was thinking it could be a lackluster colleague or maybe somebody who's in another nonprofit or, you know, a friend works elsewhere, who you just happen to know is not up to speed, mediocre, lackluster. Because we're talking this week about performance improvement. So whose performance do you want to improve? That's the person you refer to nonprofit radio. They need to be listening. They got to up their game. They don't want to be mediocre and lackluster any longer. And you don't want them to be, especially if they work in your shop. They're dragging you down. It's like when you used to, I don't, did you ever wait tables? Those who waited tables, if, if you did, and sharing tips, oh, that's the worst. It was just last week. Uh, I wrapped it up. Yeah, just, <laughs> just in, just la uh, late July. Uh, no, years ago, waiting tables and we shared tips. The mediocre people bring you down and you know who they are. You're, you know, you can hear them at the adjacent tables, the adjacent station. I was always mediocre at one thing. I was terrible, uh, worse than mediocre. I was always terrible at cappuccinos. When somebody ordered a cappuccino and I had to face that daunting, high, highly polished copper machine, 
with the nozzle for the milk and the foam and the, the knobs and the, they got to press the espresso in right and just the right pressure and the milk has to be the right temperature. And this, this machine just scared the hell out of me just to look at the thing. I didn't even like walking by it. I got, I, I would, <laughs> I would get, I would get, I would get sweats just walking past it. Let alone, I had to face off with the thing when somebody ordered a cappuccino. Or God forbid, like a table, table of four or six. Yeah, we'll all round of cappuccinos. Oh my God. Every other table in my station is going to be half an hour late now while I fight with this machine to get the milk to the right temperature and the foam and the right consistency and the, whoo, cappuccinos. My death. I, Really, somebody wrote a cappuccino. I said, you sure you don't want a limoncello? I have a limoncello. I said, on the house. <laughs> give you, I'll give the table around limoncellos if you will, you alone will just not get a cappuccino. All right. That was my bane as a waiter. But so, so, but that didn't bring the tips down because everybody got free drinks because I hardly ever poured it. Once I got smart, of course, the house didn't like it, but they never knew. Um, so, you know, so the tips actually were, were better because I was giving free drinks for everybody to bribe them away from a single cappuccino. So that aside, the, uh, yeah, the sharing of tips. I hated it. I, the, 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 the poor performers were always dragging us down. We're killing us every night. And I could hear them, you know, they're low energy. They'd forget what the specials are. They'd read the specials off their little, their, their parchment paper, little, little note pad because they couldn't afford to buy a new one because their tips are so low because they're so poor and they were going to drag me down with them. Well, first of all, I didn't use the little book. I used to memorize the specials. I never liked looking at that because the, the thing gets red wine spilled on it and, you know, it's, it wouldn't get cappuccino on it because I didn't know how to make them. But it might get milk on it as I was trying. So the poor performers, the poor performers in your nonprofit. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. Don't worry. Uh, you know, they're dragging you down. So you got to refer them to nonprofit radio. That's it. You want to raise the level of all the boats? Wait, you want to raise the level of the whole sea? Wait, you want to raise, you want to, you want to raise all the boats? You got to raise the sea. That's what it is. Or the yacht basin. So your organization, your nonprofit, that's the yacht basin. You got to, you want to raise all the boats? You got to raise the sea. Refer these poor performers to nonprofit radio. That's the point. That's where I'm headed. All right. <laughs> Cappuccinos and limoncellos. Who can you refer nonprofit radio to? I'd be grateful. Remember board members too. If you got any friends, they're board members. Board members are great listeners. They, they use it f- to stimulate conversation, to stimulate thinking. Very valuable. Plus anybody who works for a nonprofit naturally. Thank you. Thanks for thinking about it. Who you can refer nonprofit radio to. That is Tony's Take Two. Send in Blue. It's an all-in-one digital marketing platform with the tools to help you build end-to-end digital campaigns that look professional, they're affordable, and they keep you organized. Digital campaign marketing. Most marketing software, huge price tag, right? With that enterprise level. No, no. Send in Blue is priced for nonprofits. You heard the CEO say it on the 500th show. That was only uh, three shows ago. It's an easy-to-use marketing platform to walk you through the steps of building a campaign. You want to try out Send in Blue and get the free month? Go to the listener landing page at tony.ma slash sendinblue.
We've got Buku, but loads more time for performance improvement. And what form do people who are rated get this information in? Is it something quantitative or yeah. is it narrative or both? Or what are they seeing? What's each yeah. person who gets rated seeing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the vendor that I work with particularly, um, and I think this is true of of other vendors that I've seen as well, um, there is data that's involved. So you will be able to see for each question um, how you were rated. You'll be able to compare those scores by the different rater groups. Um, A lot of times there is um, an opportunity to roll that data up as well. So you can start to see overall, what are my strengths and my development opportunities? Um, And then there's typically something um, a little more qualitative um, included as well, where people can kind of open comments, provide feedback, and you can spend some time looking at that as well. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and let's talk more about the, the coaching and, the, and maybe the work plan that goes along with improving areas that aren't so strong. Um, how long does that last or what, what does that look like? Yeah. So um, the assessment process itself uh, can take a few weeks just to get that feedback. You know, you're going to do your self-assessment. You're going to invite your raters. They're going to go in, provide their feedback. It's going to generate the the data, the report for you. Um, And then the coaching session, you want at least one. That I would say is the absolute minimum. Oh, yeah. I thought this was longer (laughs) term. Right. To go through that data. Um, if you're really looking to, to see that person, um, that participant make progress on their action plan, so they're making progress towards their goals, then I definitely recommend looking at a longer term relationship with that coach because they can start to become an accountability partner. They can continue to prompt them to action. They can continue to help them think through how they're going to apply what they're learning on the job. And so there's just a lot of value there. Um, I would say that about that. Um, does vary by organization as well. Um, but if you want to see, you know, those results um, and see the action being taken, um, I would say at least three months, um, probably longer to, to watch that behavior start to change. Uh, tell us a story about uh, an organization or it could be a person. Um, I kind of like the organization level if you have a story like that. Like, where you saw, you know, you saw them go through this process and, you saw improvement among key people in the organization. I mean, they don't have to be senior leaders, but you saw you saw improvement. You know, you, you saw a benefit come out of this, whatever, eight months later, a year later, a year and a half later, you, you know, share a little story. Yeah. So um, for, I guess for anonymity's sake, I can share my own story because I've been through the 360 assessment process um, myself. All right, Um, personal, if you like. Yeah, so I, when I went through the 360 assessment process, um, some of the feedback that I received was that I needed to use my voice more, that I had, um, you know, good ideas when I spoke up and that I needed to, you know, speak up more and make sure that people heard and valued what it you know, whatever it was that I had to say. And it was something that I, it was a piece of feedback that I found very interesting because I felt like in some environments, I was pretty quick to speak up, to, you know, take a lead in something, um, to have my voice heard. And then in other environments, I might be a little less likely to do that. And it just kind of depended on the situation, what um, I was on a lot of cross-functional project teams at the time. So, you know, what was my role on that project? 
who was leading that project, that kind of thing. To me, it all felt very strategic about when I was um, using my voice and, and when I wasn't. But with that feedback, right, that's information. So with that feedback, I was able to um, start to think about how do I want to use my voice? And um, when do I want to use my voice? And what would it look like or what would it feel like to be heard in in different settings? Mm. And uh, through that process, I was able to um, more intentionally start speaking up, um, not just in meetings, but also, um, you know, one-on-one with my supervisor and say, you know, hey, I'm interested in this, or I want to know more about this, or I think we should do this, or whatever the case is. And I was able to start using my voice a little more intentionally in the, within the organization um, and saw from a, from a career perspective, saw my own, my own career start to um, open up and, and grow quite a bit from that. And the, so the feedback you got wasn't as nuanced as you would have, you would have thought it would be like you said, certain situations you were deli- deliberately reticent to speak up and others you were more vocal, but the feedback wasn't that nuanced. Correct. Correct. Because right. it's my, if you think about like my peers, they're seeing me in different environments or uh, my partners, I was working on a lot of cross-functional teams. So I had partners from all over the organization that were providing feedback. And so depending on which projects I was working on, I might've been leading the project or I might've been just a contributor on the project. And so depending on um, what my role was, I was showing up differently in those settings. Right. So each people, each person saw you differently. They didn't, they didn't see the full breath. Right. All right. But overall you took it as I should speak up more. I should be more assertive, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just think about how I'm being perceived as well. Right. Within a, within a meeting or um, a team. And then how about developing an action plan? Uh, What, what do you do that in conjunction with the coach or how does that, how does that look and how long does an action plan last? Yeah, so I recommend doing that in conjunction with a coach, uh, at least on that first coaching call, to have um, something in mind that you're going to be working towards. So I typically go through kind of the who, what, when, where, why, how questions. (laughs) So, um, you know, what is it that you want to do? What is it that you want to focus on? Which competency is standing out to you? Which area are you believing that you want to develop in some way? Again, it could be enhancing um, or leveraging a strength. It could be enhancing something that's showing up a little bit weaker. But what is it that you want to work on? And then how are you going to do that? Are you going to go um, to a training? Are you going to participate in a leadership program? Are you going to start listening to podcasts like this one about, you know, whatever topic you're trying to work on. What is it that you are going to commit to, to develop that particular skill? It could be taking on a different project at work, right? That, you know, is going to challenge that skill set. So um, thinking through your options and deciding how you want to develop that skill. And then also with that, putting a timeline to it. So when, when are you going to start? Um, what are the you know milestones that 
are going to be along the way. How long will it take you to complete whatever it is that you're deciding you want to do? Um, and then from there, who? Who's going to help you? Who's going to help hold you accountable? We know that most people don't just change automatically. <laughs> and so if you think about the number of people who um, don't uh, follow through on their New Year's resolutions, right? It's, it takes more than just knowing that you need to change or even sometimes having a desire to change. And so who can help you? Who can be that accountability partner for you um, to make sure that you're working on this goal? And again, it could be the coach, but it could be someone else as well. It could be a supervisor. It could be a peer, um, a partner, even a, a someone just in your life that's going to help um, help you you know, work towards your goals. And so going through some of those questions, you're able to put together an action plan that includes things like that timeline, how long you're going to be working on it. What do we do for the folks who really just don't take this feedback well? Uh, maybe there are strengths, but they're not, they're not acknowledging those, or maybe, maybe they don't have strengths identified. Um, let's just say it's objectively, it's, well, forget, um, subjectively, it's taken as very bad. Forget how it looks objectively. The, the yes. person is taking it very badly, very yes. hard. It happens. What do we do? It does happen. Yeah. What do we do? So, you know, a skilled coach will probably do one of two things. They you're a skilled they coach, will, right? You're, you're a skilled, skilled coach? I, I believe I'm a skilled coach. But a skilled okay. coach will likely do one of two things. Um, one, try to, on that call, uh, get to uh, the the bottom of that feeling, basically, what's causing it? Why am I getting such a reaction from this information? Um, just trying to understand, perhaps there's something that is triggering the reaction beyond just what's on on the the paper, so to speak. Yeah. And so, having that conversation can actually sometimes move people into a new place, a better place to to have the conversation that you actually want to have. Um, another option. And, and another thing that a skilled coach might do is just ask to reschedule the call. Um, because sometimes... Wait, sorry, ask to do what? Re reschedule the call, the coaching reschedule. call. Okay. Right. Um, because sometimes there's just something, whatever it is, whether it's a, a, a data point or a comment that has been included in the feedback, something just hijacks you and you can't move past it in that moment. But that doesn't mean that two weeks from now, one week from now, you wouldn't be able to move past that. And so sometimes having some space can, can be really beneficial. And so just saying, you know what, it sounds like this is not going to you know, be a good time for us to have this conversation. Why don't we reconnect on Tuesday? And then you're giving some, them some space to kind of think through and process what they're, what they're learning in the assessment. Okay. I could see how some people could take it hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. There's that yeah. one comment. <laughs> the comment right. one thing just really, yeah. Like maybe you're even thinking, oh, I know who said that. <laughs> yeah. I know who that was. He killed me. Right. <laughs> yes. Well, people yeah. spend time trying to figure out who said what, and it's not, that's not the point, right. Of the assessment. And so helping them move past that can, can be part of the coaching right. Have you had people plead with you to tell you, oh, come on, who said that? Well, as a coach, I don't know who said it. So, Oh, it's anonymous to you? It is. Uh, all right. I, I might know uh, for, the, for the data points, I know which group it came out of, and, and they do too, um, okay. but not necessarily for the open field comments. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, you can think about this all day, but it doesn't mean you're going to get it right. And then what if you do? What then? What you know? What's going to change for you? How are you going right. to use that information? Now, so now I'm now I'm blowing this up. Like, have there been cases of retaliation where somebody 
confronted somebody? I know you, I know you're the one who wrote this. <laughs> I, I would guess somewhere in the world <laughs> that, that perhaps that is the case, um, but I have not experienced it. You haven't it. seen that. All right. No uh, workplace blowups or okay. <laughs> confrontations over 360 assessments. All right. All right. Um, all right. What else, what else would you like us to know? We still got, we got some time left. What, like, what haven't I asked you that you think folks should know about 360 degree feedback? Yeah, I would just add that, um, so I work with with nonprofit leaders to help them create scalable learning strategies. And, um, you know, oftentimes when there is some sort of learning need, some sort of professional development need, we go to training. And I create training, so I'm biased. I, I like it. I think it's a great solution, but it's a solution. And I think pairing any other sort of professional development program um, like a training with a 360 assessment is actually even more valuable because if you're able to assess your skills first and then say, here's where I need to improve, here's where I need to focus, and then you send them through, say, a leadership training, they have that skill set in mind as they're going through that training. They're focused on that particular skill set, whether it's, you know, communication or relationship building or whatever. They're focused on that. They're going to get that out of it. And then you're going to see some really intentional transformation um, because they had the assessment process first. So when I think about creating scalable learning strategies for organizations, it is thinking through that whole process. How can we make sure that we're being strategic, that the organization is getting what they need, but then also thinking about the individual within the audience? So things like 360 assessments combined with formal training, combined with coaching um, can actually be a really effective way to see uh, people grow and develop. I think, you know, for me, I think people are worthy of investment. And then I think investing in your people make them feel valued and gives them, you know, a new, new skills and a new passion for their work. Um, and as leaders in our organizations, we get to create that environment. We get to create those opportunities so that our people can thrive. And so an assessment is one great tool that you can use in conjunction with many other tools to help your, your leaders grow and develop. So then by coalescing all the assessment data for all the individual people, you're saying you can target training enterprise-wide that that helps lift lift skill deficits that that are like common across lots of people in the organization. You can, you can. And even if you have a general leadership program, if your individuals have gone through the 360 assessment process, they're looking to develop particular skills. And so they're going to be looking to find that. You, you often find what you're looking for, right? So they're going to be looking to find whatever that is in the leadership program. So even if it's a, a more general program that you're offering um, or you're you know, sending people to, the 360 assessment gives that individual information so that they look for that when they're in that program. Yeah, right, right. As you said, right. They're looking, they, they find what they're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. We leave it there, Heather? What do you think? That sounds good, Tony. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Heather Burwright, founder and CEO of Skill Masters Market. The company is at skillmastersmarket.com, and she is at Heather Burwright. Thank you again, Heather. Thanks, Tony. Next week, the final 21 NTC show 
If you missed any part of this week's show, this, my voice just cracked like I'm 14, this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. You'd think I would go back in audacity and take out the, uh, the, the voice cracking, but no, I, I'm a human. My voice cracks, you know, that's, that's the way it is. We're, 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 we're not striving for perfection. I mean, I'm striving to be good, but perfection, mm, you got a lackluster host. You know that. We're sponsored by Turn 2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. Yeah, I do strive to make the shows better each week, naturally. I mean, I'm, I am, I am, uh, aiming high, but perfection, mm, I don't think we're going to get there together. We're also sponsored by Send in Blue, the only all-in-one digital marketing platform empowering nonprofits to grow. Tony.ma slash send in blue. Here we go. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. <laughs>